0: We're gonna do something a little bit different here, as is evidenced by the fact that I'm gonna sit down. Usually I'm up here pacing back and forth and dancing or whatever. But I'm just gonna talk. We say a lot, say frequently that around here, we really wanna be a people uh, that put reality over religion, Uh, It's not how things look that's important. It's how things actually are. Put a premium on honesty and truthfulness and that we're just real sinners uh, serving a real Savior. And so we try to as much as possible be free from pretense and from performance and just being real. And I'm going to push that, I think, to a level that uh, I don't know if I've ever pushed it this far before, but that's kind of what I want to do uh, this morning. I appreciate Sandra uh, speaking last week. Uh, the reason that happened was that uh, I, last week, around Wednesday, called the church and I said, uh, we got to find someone else to talk. Because I, I've got nothing to say. And I don't want to get up and pretend like i got something to say when I don't. I, I'm kind of flatlining here. I just appreciate her being willing to step in at the last minute like that and, and to deliver an excellent message. And actually, it's her message about, you know, the waking dead, the walking dead or whatever it is, and Dwayne's and message uh, about the wounded healer. That's really the only reason I'm up here this Sunday because I really still feel like I've got nothing to say. Uh, I, I am still feeling on this kind of zero level. But hearing the message on the wounded healer, something inside of me said, well, then just get up and say what's real. Because when we get out of the performance game and feeling like we always got to put on a smile and just be real, God uses that to minister to other people. And so that's just what I'm going to do here this morning. I'm going to kind of talk about where I'm at and and, and how God has ministered to me in this place. I'm in what... Uh, In the church tradition, they described it as the dark night of the soul. You go through seasons where you get to this dark place, a sense of lostness. I have felt the last several weeks, and actually maybe it's longer than that, um, this kind of encroaching, gnawing sense of emptiness for no particular reason. There's nothing going on outside of me that's, going wrong. Everything is going very, very well. Uh, but for some reason, there's this kind of a, a, a sense of, of emptiness that comes where everything feels uh, trivial, uh, shallow. And it, it's kind of there, and it goes away, and, and then it comes back again. But I, I, I've sensed this thing coming on, and I'm not really sure what that's about. I, I've recently been having, I've had several times, a nightmare that I used to have a lot when we first started this church. And it, hear me on this. It, it doesn't say anything about the church. It says a lot about me. I, I think we have cultivated the most honest sort of, of community that we can. And so it's not about the community. It's about me. But here's the nightmare. And it's always, it has some slightly different variations, but it's always kind of the same. Happened a lot when we first started the church I went away for a couple of years, and, and now it's coming back, and it's saying something to me. The nightmare is like this. I, I show up at church, and uh, it's almost completely empty, and sometimes in the, in the dream, uh, there's a reason. Someone will tell me a reason. It was like, well, the sermon last week really stunk, so people moved on. Or, or the worship really wasn't very good, so it went on. And, uh, or sometimes it'll be like, you know, you used to be funnier than you are now. and, and you know, the, Or there's a new show in town. Oh, there's this really hot thing going on. And, and, uh, you know, uh, and, and sometimes someone tells me the reason. Sometimes I just sort of know it internally. But the place is empty and it's sometimes someone will say something like well you know you had a good run there it was a it was a good show it uh, the carnival lasted longer than most i got to feel good about that but now it's a different season and see what that is the feeling i have when i have that nightmare is the overwhelming feeling is this uh, my life in this ministry was as insignificant as I always feared, it might be. Uh, it's all just it's been a religious carnival, you know. A reed shaking in the wind. And Jesus said, "What'd you come out to see?" You know. And and there's this deep-seated fear, uh, this paranoia I have about religion, <laughs> about anything big and and exciting, and, and and so that we go out of our way to make it an honest thing, but for whatever reasons that that, that, that fear, that cynicism kind of comes back. And there's been this kind of gnawing thing. There's something breaking through in my mind, and I'm not sure what's causing it. But this last Monday night, uh, I had a great day on Monday. Uh, My son and I, I had a day off, and so uh, I just was teaching him how to ride the city buses. Uh, And I don't know how to ride the city buses. (laughs) So we, we just decided to have an adventure. We hopped on a city bus and said, let's see where this goes. And, uh, You know, uh, I I had my cell phone, so I said, where's Kate? He uh, he said, I'm kind of nervous. And I said, so am I. But we got a cell phone. We can call mom for help if we get lost. (laughs) And so we went on. We had a great day just taking buses around and, and, you know, finding out stuff and getting off and shopping a little bit. And we uh, rode the light rail. And it was a really, it was just a great day with my son. I went to bed in a really happy mood. I woke up at 2 in the morning in a, uh, a, a sort of—I I, I almost want to describe it as terror, <laughs> a, a despair, out of nowhere. Felt like a demon had jumped on my back. Uh, th- th- thoughts, random thoughts just running through my head. And it was like every— Wound that I've ever had and every question that I've ever had, every problem that I now have or, or haven't resolved. It was all, all these things. I can't even describe But They were swarming around my head like, like a beehive. I, I, I fell on a beehive or something and, and it, they're just swarming all over the place. And I think there is a demonic dimension to this. I mean, uh, the devil will, will use stuff like this because some of the questions just cut to the core of your being. What am I doing? Who am I? Uh, uh, what am I doing as a pastor of a church? What are we doing as a church? Uh, what is this all about? And the devil will, will you know, use this kind of thing to, to grind at you. But on the other hand, if you dismiss this stuff too quick as being of the devil and just try to put a, a Holy Spirit Band-Aid on it, you might lose an opportunity to grow in some important ways this 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 eruption and that's what i would call it. this eruption on monday night is saying something to me it's just swarming all this this stuff uh, swarming around me and i find that in these dark nights of the soul i got up at, i got up at two and i just i just kind of for four hours just tried to pray through this it's like well, what is going on here what is this all about I'm trying to pray through this thing it's very painful but you learn some things about yourself as you work through this. And I don't think one night a prayer does it. In fact, the next night I had something kind of similar. It didn't have quite the pain edge to it, but this a similar kind of thing. And it's been kind of going on all week. Here, here's what I, I, I know about myself is that I, I'm kind of a plower. Uh, by that I mean this. Uh, you know, the, I, I, I plow through life. I, I, there's always things that got to be done, and, and I'm the one that's going to do them. <laughs> And uh, I take a lot of hits, but they don't phase me because there's always other things you got to do. Uh, and and I, I I just by my wiring I get passionate about stuff. When I'm in something, that's all that matters to me. It's just right here, this right now. I got a sermon to prepare, and and so starting on Monday, I'm getting passionate about a sermon. And, and there's a chapter to write, and so I'm a passionate about the chapter. There's a new project that we're starting, and I'm passionate about the project. And I keep my eyes focused on that, and I get a, I genuinely get a lot of passion for it, and whatever. And then things will happen, failures will happen. Uh, you know, you take hits, you get wounds, you have struggles, you have questions, and and, and I don't have time to deal with those very well because there's always this to do and, and there's always that to do. And part of it even gets tagged in my own mind as, as a strength. And, and there is a virtue to this, I think. I mean, you, you, life is like this. You've got to keep moving on. That's what leadership is about. you, you just got to keep, you know, so you stay the course. I find a lot of times in my own thinking about leadership, I think of Bill Clinton and George Bush. And, and I think of all the hits they take. And, you know, Cl- how did Clinton hold it together in the middle of his whole scandal? And how does George Bush hold it together with, you know, the problems that go on, you know, and the criticisms that go on? And how do they hold it together? And I, they just plow forward. They, they stay the course. This is what leadership's about. And so that's what I do. I, I, you plow forward. Other people maybe are falling apart. The world's coming to an end, whatever. But I'm staying steady. What I realize is that a part of that, there's a virtue in that. You have to do that. But you ignore hits and wounds and questions and unresolved issues to go on for very long. And you got a warehouse where you file them. And that warehouse starts to get kind of full. And pretty soon it starts to burst at the seams. And you can only only take so much of it and it starts coming back at you. If some of this, in fact, I know, really, it's, it's sort of my strategy for survival. I, as a kid, I plowed, man. Other, you know, family blown apart didn't faze me. I, I, I know how to just keep my eye focused on stuff. And like I said, there's, there's a, a virtue to that. It's, it's good to be, you know, God uses a passion for, for stuff. And, and, but if you take the hits and you don't ever address them, they, they begin to creep forward. And sometimes, I'll, you know, a question will come. For me, a lot of my, a lot of my own internal disposition, in fact, the, the most, for the most part, whether I'm in a, having a good day or a bad day has nothing to do with what's going on outside of me. It's, I'm just weird like this. Um, it has mainly to do with, with, with the congruity ideas of ideas in my head. If life is making sense to me and the pieces are all fitting together and, you know, I'm having ideas and then I'm in a good mood, I don't care if the apocalypse is happening. Uh, and, and, but if there are questions in my mind or, or problems or things that aren't fitting, uh, that causes an internal kind of pain in me, and I'm in a bad mood. And so what I found is a lot of this has to do with, with uh, questions and issues that, I, that, I, I, that, that, that don't line up, but I just don't have the time to deal with them, so I file them. And here's an issue, I'll figure that out later, and I file it. And here's a problem, okay, I'll have to file that. And and, and then what happens is like there's a psyche overload. And what it felt like on Monday night is that there was a crack in the subconscious dam, if you will, and all of a sudden it bursts open, and now there's this stream of, like a beehive, a stream of all these questions and problems and pains and woes and hits that you've taken, and and you can't think through it. At that point, you can't think through it because you grab hold of this one, but now there's these other 4,000, you grab hold of that one, but now there's these other 4,000 and you're just in a swarm and it's a dark place. It feels like a lonely place. It's a very painful place. It's not at all a pleasant place. It's a realm of confusion. Uh, lately, I, I think as, I, as I'm looking at this, uh, you know, there's, it, there's been other things that have happened that I think as I'm trying to understand what's going on in my own soul, uh, you know, th- there's been things lately that, that I think have kind of precipitated this. Um, Uh, A a lot of the stuff that's came at me from the beehive, uh, some of it I looked at, and it's like, man, that is about eight years old. What is that doing here? You know, they stick around, uh, these questions and whatever. But some of it is more recent. You know, I've I've been feeling a lot of the the burden of the finances of the church. That's been kind of weighing heavy on me. Uh, The racial reconciliation thing, uh, which everyone thinks that if you just say, hey, we're for racial reconciliation, it happens. But... But when you get in the box and start working through that stuff it is very very hard and and that has been a a, 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 a an emotional thing for me. I think my daughter's wedding uh uh did something. Uh it it, it was like if you've ever seen Father the Bride, when she's walking down the stairs and all of a sudden he sees this little girl, uh, you have these flashbacks. And I was <laughs> having these flashbacks all over the place. And it's like the communication between my conscious and subconscious. I feel weird because I feel like I'm doing therapy in front of all of you, but <laughs> it, it, love me anyways, okay? The, the, the bridge between the conscious and the subconscious is getting crossed more. And that is like giving permission for more of this warehouse of stored stuff to start burping forth. Until it erupts on a Monday night. That's been there. The Cross and the Sword series. I tapped into something very deep there inside of myself uh, an ongoing, uh, not only question about, but, but, but anger towards uh, church history and some of what Christendom has, has stood for. And there's unresolved issues that I, there that I haven't worked through. And, and it felt like I took some hits on, on, on that one. I learned this, and, and this just blew me away about five in the morning on Monday. But I, 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 I used to, I, I used to up till about a year ago, I guess it was. I I'd go before the Lord and, and there's like, you know, seven decisions that need to be made. There's seven options. And I used to say, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? And sometimes, not always, but sometimes I get a definitive word. Boom, this is the way we should go. And, and I, was, there was a confidence about God said, go this way. Now, I rarely would say to other people, God, the Lord is saying, go this way. And part of that is because of a, uh, I, I am around, you know, I, I, there's so much out there uh, where people say, God told me, God, the Lord said this, God told me this, God told me this. And it, it feels manipulative. It feels contrived. Some of it, sometimes I think people just say, God said because they really want it really bad. And this is a way of giving authority to it. And I hate that. It grosses me out. And so as, as a result of that, I, I rarely uh, will say, uh, the Lord told me this, even when I should say that. I mean, Janice, our executive pastor, has been telling me, Greg, sometimes people need to hear that, that you believe God's leading you in this direction. But I'm afraid of saying that because it's, it's manipulative and stuff. I, I think, well, you know, last year, we, or was it the year before, we dealt with the name change issue. And, and I really felt like God was saying, you know, move in this direction. But I was afraid to say that because I didn't want to sound manipulative. So it came out like my opinion. I really wish the name was different. But it, it really felt in my soul heavier than that. And I actually, that's one of the hits that I got to kind of work through. I, I didn't give myself time to deal with, with a sense of loss over that whole thing. Uh, but I, I have always been hesitant to say God told me. But about a year or two ago, I'm not sure exactly when. I, didn't, I had no idea this was happening. But I stopped telling myself, God says. I, I can think back and I can see how some circumstances maybe encourage that, but at some point, I, 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 stopped, I stopped believing that God gave me a definitive word about going in a particular direction. My, my skepticism about the outside world became a skepticism in my brain. And I, I, I was always okay with hearing Jesus say to me uh, what he's already told me in Scripture, the, my identity in Christ and, and I'm loved and, and, you know, all of that. I, I, I've never had a problem with that. But When it comes to going to God for particular things and believing he'll talk to me in a particular way, i a sudden notice that, that I, I don't do that anymore. When, when, I, when I pray for stuff, it's always, Lord, bring us to consensus. In other words, work through the natural process. And I didn't even, I, I, I backslid. I didn't even know it. It, it happens slow. It's like is that the, the, the cynicism the skepticism gets lodged in the brain. And what I also didn't notice was that's created a real sense of loneliness in me about God. It's like you carry more of a burden. When, when you believe God told you about something, you're not alone. It's like, okay, me and God, we can handle this thing. But I've been feeling alone the last year or so when it comes to making particular decisions. It's like, well, we just got to figure this out. I'm a functional atheist. When it comes to practical, you know, practical decisions like that, it creates a sense of loneliness and a sense of emptiness. A lot of things burst in forth. And Monday night, you know, all this stuff gets gets, gets working in the brain, and, and and I've been feeling it kind of encroaching, but there's always a chapter to write. There's always a sermon to prepare. There's always a new project to get involved in. As long as I got those things, I don't have to deal with this. Those things are fun. This stuff is, you know, and so you just plow on. You plow on until finally, boom, there's something of an explosion. It's a dark night of the soul. It's a, it's a, it's a confused place. And I, 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 I'm even hesitant about how, how much I should share about it. I, I'll t- I'll, I'll, I want to reassure you on this. I'm solid with Jesus. Believe me, I am not like you know. I'm going to become a Buddhist. I, I, I know why I believe in Jesus. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm solid with that. But it's just you get to the point where it's like it doesn't feel real. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah what's real uh what am i doing it was like a what am i doing leading a church and and there's a piece of the devil in that there's also just a piece of human human stuff in that but but a time of questioning and 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 what's going on here and and you know it just you can't even label it i'm having trouble i'm not even sure how coherent this is coming out right now but it's just it's just a swarm and some of you have been there very painful place so what do you do when you're in a painful place like this and Tuesday night, I all I did. I, I, see, during the day I'm okay because there's always chapters to write and sermons to prepare and projects to get involved in. But at night, all of a sudden, pfft, it starts. It's, I'm not sleeping much these days. It starts bursting forth. So what do you do? I turn to the Psalms. I love the Psalms, especially in times like this. And I've had times like this before. This feels bigger than than I had a little time like this before the Bethel. Before I, I got the word to leave Bethel. Uh, this is even like more fundamental or something. I don't know. But I turn to the Psalms. What I want to share with you is something that uh, I'm getting ministered to uh, from Psalm 73. Just a few things. What do you do in, uh, in when you're in the place in that dark place, that lonely place, the confused place, the painful place? Number one, be honest with God. Most fundamental, be honest with God. Psalm 73 is written by Asaph, and here's what he says. He says, truly, God is good to the upright. But as for me, God ain't so good. I, I, I love this guy. God is good. But as for me, he says, he's good to everyone else, not to me. Uh, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Verses 13 and 14. All in vain, he says, I have kept my heart clean. It's all a waste. <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes. What's the point of this? All in vain, I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long, I've been played. I'm being punished every morning. <laughs> Do you ever feel like that? Uh, but he says it. Now That's the thing. He says it. He, he, it's in the Bible. In fact, a lot of the Psalms are kind of like that. I, I, I love, what I love about the Bible is it's not a, a prissy book. It's not a pious, wonderful, cleaned up, holy book. It's got some raw stuff in there. That's one of the ways you know it's true. It's it's human. It's got this this human element to it, this raw element to it. Some of my favorite parts are where you have Job. Uh, Job says these nasty, nasty things to God and about God. And God, rather than being a prissy deity who gets all upset and, and offended and throws down lightning at him, God says, oh, that's inspired. Let's put it in the Bible. <laughs> you, know, you see, you get that with Jeremiah, you get it with David, you get it with Asaph here in this psalm. And what it tells us is this: you know, we can so easily get caught up in, into the victory in Jesus mindset. And there's victory in Jesus, absolutely. But that can become a shtick. That, that's that carnival Christianity that is always, oh, I'm always, is obviously, I haven't resolved it because it popped through on Monday night. But uh, uh, we can get in this thing where we feel embarrassed by about being human, or about being fragile, or about being in a dark place, and and we think we've got to you know speak with thous and thithers and withers and pious language before God and, and before others and even before ourselves mainly, and so we pretend we just plow forward we don't deal with real stuff. What we got to know is that see, God wants you. God wants me. And right now, this is me. This is me. And so God wants the slice of me that's right now. He wants the slice of Job that's right now. He wants the slice of Asaph that, that, ASAP that's right now. He doesn't want a polished me, a holy me, a religious me, a good-looking me, the me when I'm all together. He wants me. He wants me, and he wants you. He doesn't want it polished up. There's, there's, there's nothing to be ashamed of when you're in a place like this. Uh, There's nothing undignifying. There's nothing ungodly about it. It's just life in the war zone. It's life. We're all in process, and sometimes this is a process thing. And so God puts prayers like this in the Bible to let us know that these, you know David, he, he's a man after God's own heart, and Job is one of the heroes of the faith, and Asaph is one of these really good guys, and they got into some pretty bad places. If they got in some pretty bad places, and we're okay saying it out loud, that means it's, we have permission to do this, even up on stage in front of a bunch of people, you know, to be out loud with it, to be honest about it. Give God what's real in your life. Amen. A uh, Monday night, I wasn't necessarily always polite with God. I was like, God, where are you? And I'm censoring. <laughs> where are you? I, I, I could really use. I just why is it right now? Do, do a miracle. Come around me, just man, just make your presence known. Like I've never felt it before. I could really use it right here, right now, this second. Nothing. Nothing is I'm in, falling in this bottomless pit. We, and, and again, there's, no, there's nothing going on in my life that caused this. I can't say, oh, because of this, this is happening. This is just one of these psychic explosions. And, and I could, God, I could really use you being here right now. Where are you? What are you doing? And I can just imagine the Lord saying, that's good, Greg. Right? That's good. Come on, keep on saying that. Yeah, give me your gut. Be honest with God. Be honest with God. If nothing else. If at nothing else, at some level in time, it will prove to you once again that he loves you. He loves you. and all of your untidiness, he loves you. And he wants the untidiness. He wants the ugliness. He wants the sin. He wants the confusion. Because that's part of who you are right here and right now. Don't don't pretend like it's not there. So often we dismiss that, as being you know, just uh, a spirit of confusion. And so we just rebuke it. <laughs> and there may be a spirit involved in trying to use it for evil, but you've got to know God wants to use it for good. So pay attention to this. Pay attention to this and be honest with it and give it before God. Second thing, be honest with God, but be honest with others. Invite other people in on what's going on. Don't isolate yourself. Asaph says this in Psalm 73. He says, when I thought how to understand this. He, he, he was... He was... Uh, as I read this psalm, I think his problem was really trite. <laughs> I judge you Asaph. You know, he, he, his problem was really—he was—he was feeling bad because all the unrighteous people are prospering, and he's going through, you know, the, the the pits, and so he's mad about that. You know, it's like grow up. But I'm sure he could look at my thing and and say the same. Uh, But but he's trying to figure this out. How come I'm suffering and these unrighteous people are prospering? He says, well, I tried to to understand this. It seemed like a wearisome task. You ever get to a point where you you just, uh, you know, you you try to figure it out, but some things you just can't think your way out of? As I'm trying, on Monday night, Tuesday night, Somewhat on Wednesday night, as I'm trying to like, uh, put, bring a calm to the swarm of this beehive of questions and confusion and unresolved issues and pain, I, I, I can't figure it out. And I rely a lot on figuring things out. I grab hold of this. Okay, I'll think through this. But now there's these other ones. And, and it's so wearisome. It's just, sometimes you just can't think your way out of it. He says, when I thought how to understand this, it was a wearisome task until... Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Until I got with God's people. Now, I assure you, he didn't feel like going to the sanctuary. Hang out with people who are going to sing songs about victory and Yahweh and and how good God is and how blessed they are. And here he is in the the pit. You don't want to necessarily hang out with people when they're singing that. And yet he said, I went to the sanctuary. He got with God's people. And the the point it tells me is 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 this. I mean, it's not just go to church whether you feel like it or not. So I think that's a good discipline. I think it's a necessary discipline. But don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself when you're in the dark night of the soul. Whether it's major or minor, don't isolate yourself. Uh, it does, did my heart good to, this morning just to be here and, and, and in the presence of people worshiping God. I didn't worship much. I, I, I did. I didn't sing much, but... But I, I just to be around it uh, was 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 a good thing. Uh, and in its own way, I think this is a good thing to say out, be out loud, be real with, with the people of God. It, it's a good thing. I, I didn't feel like doing this. I didn't feel like doing this. But I think it's it's a good thing to do. And not only, not only be around the people of God, but invite some people in on the darkness. God created us for community. We are community beings. He never intended us to do life alone. We need to have other people in on the inside of our stuff. Not the happy, not just the happy stuff, but the dark night of the soul stuff. Invite other people in on that. When I went through this, I, I had uh, Ephraim Smith and Dave Johnson, two dear brothers of mine. Uh, Dave Johnson, pastor of The Open Door. Uh, uh, Ephraim, pastor, oh, I thought I was wearing a sanctuary shirt. Uh, this is a growing spiritual but it looks the same uh, it, it, the, uh, I had Ephraim over and you know just to like just barf in front of them because they, they, they they've been through this and, and, and just to know that you're not alone is, is one of the most precious things uh, no one can totally understand the, all the dimensions of what you're in right now, but just to know that there are other people who are with you, that you're not free-falling in solitude, because it can feel like you're free-falling in solitude, but you're not. You don't need to be in solitude. God is with you, but you need to have that incarnated with other people. Invite other people in. Uh, when I came to the staff meeting on Tuesday, I asked them to pray for me, and, and then I got together with my covenant group, and, and I, just, I just shared. I, I'm, in, I'm in this weird, weird, strange, place and and i can't even explain why and uh, the purpose isn't to fix me the purpose isn't like can you give me six solutions on how to get out of the pit uh, we, we don't need that you got to work through this but just to have people who are there to say oh man we're with you and maybe they can give a perspective that helps you know uh see things a little bit different maybe not but don't isolate yourself. Invite others. Get on the phone. I actually should have done it at five in the morning. They asked me, my covenant group, why didn't you call us at five in the morning? And part of it's just that that uh, I didn't I didn't even know how to put a word to what was going on at that point. Uh, but invite others in on uh, what's going on. Be honest with others. Third thing is to confess your sin. Confess your sin. Here's what here's what Asaph says. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was stupid and ignorant. (laughs) I was like a brute beast toward you. He confesses his sin. Here's the thing. When you go into a painful place, whether there's external reasons that cause it or whether it's just a psyche explosion, psychic explosion, uh, whatever, our tendency is to want to medicate it real fast. And some people will turn to over drinking to do that. Some people will turn to some a, a sexual experience to medicate that. And they find themselves going back to their porn addiction that they were free of for a couple of years. And now it's, and so it's their favorite form of medi- how to How to just escape this pain. Others can get involved, and this is my thing. You, you find a new passion, get a new distraction. Just don't deal with it, you know, and, and the passion itself kind of medicates me. One of the all-time favorite medications is righteousness, our own sense of righteousness. Uh, in fact, Asaph gets involved in a little of this early on. He says, I am I'm, I'm innocent. You know, I'm righteous, uh, but it's all in vain. You know, uh, these unrighteous people, they're the ones who are prospering, and, and, and I'm not prospering. He, we cling to our righteousness. It's the all-time favorite idol, and I'm innocent here. I don't deserve this. And then we blame other people or we blame God. We, 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 turn, in, we turn on the blame game. It, we medicate ourselves with our own sense of righteousness. I'm convinced that the most vicious versions of religious self-righteousness come out of a center of pain. It's a way of dealing with a sense of emptiness, a sense of futility, a sense of being lost. You cling to your own righteousness and your own, the rightness of your own beliefs. And and if you can stand over other people and judge them, that medicates you. It makes you feel good for a little bit. But see, when we do that, we become bitter. We become bitter like Asaph got. That that, that judgment entrenches, the, the pain turns into an anger that turns into a bitterness. The best thing you can do for your soul when you're in the dark night of the soul is to say, this is part of being honest with God and maybe honest with other people is you say what you know is true and that's that you're a sinner. That, that, that It's not a, about a shame thing. It's not about a condemnation thing. It's just about an honest thing, about a real thing. Confess. Because what's probably true is your sin maybe had something to do with where you're at. And that, again, that's not a blame thing. That's just a true thing you know, when, when I was, uh, when I went through this thing, I, uh, here's kind of what happened with me on Monday night. As I'm, I'm, sorting through this thing saying, God, why don't, why don't you talk to me? You know, wh- why don't you speak to me? Uh, uh, a little bit of revelation came around and all of a sudden I realized, um, well, I haven't been the all-time great seeker of God lately. It's not like I've been seeking him really intently lately. Uh, I, I, I have sinned. I haven't been. The Bible says, seek and you shall find. And I haven't really been pressing on. In fact, here's, here's another sin. I've, 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 I've let unbelief creep into my brain. That skepticism I allowed to creep into my brain. I got to realize that. And uh, I'm not trying to explain all that's happening here. I don't think I need an explanation. But there's a dimension of this, that part of my relationship with God had been severed. And that's part of why I was in this dark, lost, why I am in this dark, lost place. So by becoming aware of this and saying it out loud, it be, that itself begins to restore the relationship. And, and begins to bring you out of, of it. Say out loud what is real, and what is real is that we're sinners. Confess sin before God. Do what we sang about here this morning. Say, search me, God. Uh, uh, cleanse me, Lord. Find anything in me that is blocking my relationship with you. Sometimes what, what I found was this, that you know, God wants to be pursued, and the level of pursuit that was good last year Maybe this year he wants more. And so you were okay coasting on 15 minutes of prayer a day a year ago. But now all of a sudden, you're going into an empty place. But you're still praying 15 minutes a day, like a nice religious formula saying, why am I feeling empty? You know, why is it not real? Why is the passion gone? Well, it can be. I think God does this. Out of love, he backs off of us a little bit. Because he's saying, come on. Come on. Okay, that was fine then. But life is process. We're always to be growing. And God's saying, come on, come on, pursue me. Search a little lo- longer. Search a little harder. Go a little deeper. Because he always wants to be deepening our relationship with us. And when we ignore that, that is sin. When we stick with our formulas rather than walk in a living relationship with God, that is sin. Confess sin. Be outlawed with it before God. And you learn stuff. I, I, I have seen how uh, another uh, sin, I, I have allowed myself to harbor cynicism. That's that whole religiosity thing, which whenever you harbor stuff, it pollutes. It pollutes. And so I've polluted my soul. I haven't, I haven't guarded my soul well enough. I've let the passion of the moment uh, uh, take too much priority over the little tiny things that need to be dealt with sooner or later. But I always just, there's always something more important to do And it's the sin of swallowing cynicism. And so you confess it. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Teach me. Cleanse me. I want a relationship with you. I I want to go deeper with you. God will use the pain of this situation if we don't just slap a rebuke on it. He'll use the pain of this sort of thing to draw us into a deeper relationship with him. A fourth thing that Asaph teaches us is this. When you're in the dark night of the soul, don't make life decisions. (laughs) Because your perception, your perception is going to be a little bit distorted. All emotions, but especially pain, distort and jaundice our perception of things. Here's what Asaph says. He's talking about the righteous people who are prospering unlike him. He says, they have no pain and their bodies are sound and sleek uh, they are not in trouble as others are. They're not plagued like other people. All in vain. I've kept my heart clean. It, it's always been worthless. <laughs> I and washed my hands of innocence. All day long, I've been plagued. There's never an exception to this. Uh, I, I'm punished every morning. Every morning is a downer morning, and it has been that way all my life. You ever feel like that? Yeah, it's, he's talking the truth of his soul, but I don't think this is the truth of reality. It, really, all, all the bodies of unrighteous people are slender and sleek. Is that true? Uh, they never have any pain, really, now. They never have any trouble like other people. Is, is that really true? And every single morning is a punishment for you? Has it always been that way? Has it always? There's never been a single victorious moment in your life. This is how he feels, but this is not true and so in the middle of these, uh, the, the, these times of confusion, where the beehive of, of unresolved conflict and pain and problems is swarming around your head and you can't see straight and you're, and, and you're feeling alone, this is not the time to make life decisions. This is not the time to decide whether you want to stay married or not. It's not the time to make career choices. This is where other people, inviting other people in, in your life can really help because... They can affirm what you're feeling, but say, you know, let's just wait on this a little bit. If things might look different in a week or two, uh, let's just go slow with this. You know, you're, 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 you're not necessarily seeing things straight right now. We got to know that, that all emotions distort our perception of the world. This is why even in, in relationships, whether it's parent and child or spouse or friend, when you're in, in, a, in a battle, when you're angry, not only don't make life decisions, but watch your decisions about what you say. Because sometimes you say stuff that feels so true at the moment, but an hour later you wish you hadn't said it. And sometimes it's very hard to put together a scrambled egg. Words have power to them. It's a, in a time like this, it's just a time to wait on God. Just to say, okay, stop. I'm going to put a halt to everything. I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm just gonna wait on God. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna make any decisions right now. I know. I know that my perceptions are a little bit distorted. At the same time, I want to say this: while our perceptions of the world are, are distorted in dark nights of the soul, and sometimes our perceptions of God and of ourselves, it's also true that if we pay attention to these things in prayer and are honest with them with God and ourselves. They can be tremendous learning experience, tremendous growing experiences. And in some ways, you can get a new revelation there. You can see things sometimes more clearly in those moments than you can otherwise. I'm already, uh, you know, I'm five days into this. And uh, I'm getting stuff Or six days into it. I can't even count straight anymore. Uh, But I'm seeing things. I'm seeing some very true things about myself, about my strategy for doing life. Uh, stuff I got to pay attention to, uh, stuff I have to learn from. And so in those, the the dark nights of the soul can feel like they're pure demonic, but God will use it for good if we'll pay attention to it. Invite others in. They can give a perspective on stuff, and you'll grow by it. And the fourth thing, uh, or the fifth thing, told you I can't count anymore. In some ways, maybe the most important thing is when you're in the dark night of the soul, Grab hold of truth and don't let go. Just grab hold of truth and don't let go. Here's what Asaph does. He starts off by saying, truly God is good. But he's also true about what he feels. Because he says, But as for me. But as for me, I'm not feeling it right now. I'm not feeling like God is particularly good, but I know that he is. And so he he affirms the goodness of God, even though he's not experiencing this. He doesn't affirm the truth at the cost of his feelings because his feelings don't line up with the truth. It doesn't mean the feelings can be ignored. We, we do that too often. No, he, he, he says what is real in terms of his experience, but he doesn't use his experience of what is real to define truth. I know God is good. Right now, I don't know how. I don't know, I don't know how that works out, but I know that he's good. And then he goes on to say this. Nevertheless, at the end of his tirade... Nevertheless, I am continually with you, O Lord. You hold my right hand, but I'm not feeling it right now. I'm feeling like I'm grabbing in this space, but I know that you're holding on to me. You guide me with your counsel. I don't feel guided right now, but I know that you do. And after your word, you will receive me with honor. Right now, I'm not seeing any of this, but I know that it's true. Whom have I in heaven but you? Whom and I have heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire other than you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I'm not feeling that, Asaph is saying, but I know this is true. When I went through this experience, uh, as I'm going through this experience, you've got to have an anchor. In the storm, you've got to have a lighthouse. Uh, in an earthquake, you've got to know where the solid ground is. And the solid ground's all about Jesus Christ. You hang on to Jesus Christ. Don't let your feelings define what is true or false. Uh, I, I uh, Monday night, when I finally went back to bed, uh, Monday morning, uh, I just laid there and I just said, uh, Lord, I, I, I know you love me. I know you love me, and that's enough. I, I don't know what to do with this beehive, but I know you love me, and that's enough. I, I, you love me, Lord. I know you love me. I know you love me. If I just have that, I, I can get through this. If I just know that one truth, that's all I need. That's all I need. Who am I? Who, who have I in heaven but you? I got no place else to go. If, if God's not real, then you know what? Then that. Oh, I don't even want to think that thought. You know, But I'm going to hang on to this thing. I know Jesus Christ is real. is my Lord and my Savior. He's God become man. He died for my sins. And because of him, I have access to God and I'll have eternal destiny with him. I'm going to hang on to that. I'm not feeling it right now. I don't, right now, I don't, I don't know what I think about anything, but I'm, I got this. I got this. Whom I have Have I but you. In fact, you alone do I desire. One of the things I think God is teaching me through this whole thing is this a little layer, the little piece of the onion coming off as he's getting down to the core. But it says, Greg, what if, it, what if your nightmare turned out to be true? What if, in fact, that, that was real? I don't think it is. I, you know, but, 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 but what if that happened? Why do you think your life would then be insignificant? What if you did nothing for me? What if everything you thought you were doing for me was actually worthless? What, would you still be okay with that, Greg? see, what I realized is that I wouldn't be. And now I'm learning how to be. Uh, You know, you, you do what you can for the Lord, and his job is to make something out of it. What if he chose not to make anything out of it? What if my worst cynicism was true? Is he, is he enough? Is he sufficient? What I'm learning in this place is that not only is he sufficient, he's all there is. He's the only meaning there is. He's the only significance there is. And if all I did was sat on my this chair the rest of my life and was a fat blob and did nothing, my my life would would, would, would still be significant before him because he died for me. He died for me. Whom am I of heaven but you? Who do I need in heaven but you? I want to end by uh, doing something I've never done before. And uh, this has felt weird to me. Uh, it felt like a kind of a therapy session. And I, don't send me a bill, please. Uh, but... It's just about being honest, but I like to ask Norm to come, and, and it feels self-indulgent, uh, and i got to think about that too, that I got to get through. It's like I, why, I don't get to have anything that no one else has, and no one else gets to have a whole church pray for them when they're in the dark night of the soul. so I shouldn't have a church pray for me when I'm in the dark night of the soul. But you know what? I'm going to cash in one fringe benefit of being the senior pastor, and that's that I get to emote in front of you, and I get to ask you to pray for me. <laughs> so, so there. <laughs> well, so can we all stand? And I, I just would like, uh, just a brief prayer. And, and when we're done with the prayer team, come forward. And if you are in a place, maybe something similar to what I'm going through, come forward and get some prayer for that. If you are, are uh, um, here and um, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you go to my right, your left, at the table up here, there's a person who would love to talk to you about what it means to become a Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ.